0: This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. No, it it really is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show. This episode of This Week in Sleece is dedicated to the memory of actor William Ho-Ka who passed away at the end of January 2015 after a period of health issues relating to his diabetes. William will always be remembered as an incredibly effective character actor in mostly villainous roles, ranging from Prison on Fire to Story of Ricky and is featured in the two movies discussed on this episode. Thank you for the celluloid, William. That was then and especially is now Immortal Celluloid. It's This Week in
1: Sleaze, with your hosts, the great lord, Joshua Riegel, and Sleazy K.
0: This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some fucking domestic abuse, syphilis and coat hanger abortion, people. Welcome kids! <laughs> Director of the Blue Jean Monster and Erotic Ghost Story Free, Ivan Lai, unleashed this unforgiving, foul, vile, inappropriately comedic but partly genius dual tale of uh, Well, one is about is about abuse and another one is about Impotency and coat hangers, and uh, but we got two evil families going on here in Daughter of Darkness 1 and 2. And cinema audiences actually came out in droves, uh, considering it's a category of 3 movies, For the first part, the tale of Lily Chung and her family bullying, bullying, degrading, and raping the crap out of her. A main person raping the crap out of her, played by on-screen animal William Ho. And on the comedic side, Anthony Wong is the goofy cop investigating all of this. And an almost unrelated reprise happened in 1994 for part two with a new cast. Uh, Daughter of Darkness 1 is 1993. The new cast included, by the way, Red to Kill's Ben. M. So uh, we'll uh, talk about that and see how these movies fare. My name is Lisa K. With me is the great Lord Joshua Regal. Good morning, buddy.
1: Waka waka waka, <laughs>
0: it's me. It's syphilis time. Domestic abuse time. I wake up at six in the
1: morning to
0: talk syphilis. That's how I do it. Well, it's uh, nearly close to your actual life because you're training as a nurse and it's the medical field, so it's not totally offside, so to say. Yeah, it's not that like they teach you you know first day this is syphilis i mean it's a little bit a little bit broader broader than that
1: this gives me you know questions that i need to ask you know like you know at what term in pregnancy you know do you consider terminating the child if you have syphilis you know it's very very relatable Which i'm going to talk about that later
0: okay okay yep, sure i mean you are your science uh, you you know you're a science master of this show, so i'll i'll eagerly listen to
1: and I'm retarded, so that's, that says a lot about us, so...
0: Well, let's we'll see if these movies get it right, you know, technically right and medically right. Uh, so uh, that, that'll be exciting for you, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Science! Got to go to freestyle.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, I was just reminded of the brief Jerry Seinfeld bit about... Uh, it's very simplified, Where of course, where he talks about what it takes to be a doctor. You know, lesson one uh you know where wear a coat here are the coats, <laughs> and lesson two we are gonna train how to make people wait in their underwear and then you'll all be doctors <laughs> oh, oh by the way, I was talking about the body you, you, got, you got the you got the mouth and the tube and the circular area, and that's <laughs> pretty much all we know. <laughs> I like that. The That's circular area. See if you can uh, get a get an A during uh, during next test. <laughs> oh right. man! I'm... The circular area. Sigh. He's doing it again.
1: Teacher, what is this? This esophagia? What's going on here? There's
0: nothing about a tube. Can we just call it the circular area? I mean, <laughs> who likes these complex names anyway? Exactly. You'll be able to relate to the people that you're treating. You know. Right.
1: Yeah, we, we got to doctor it all up and make it so fancy that nobody knows what we're talking about.
0: I mean, encephalitis, you know, no one knows what that is, but you say saying it all the time, you know. Yeah. What is it, by the way? You, you hear it all the time on House, and like, <laughs> Dad and Lupus. That, that's the, like, two things you heard here in the TV show House, you know, encephalitis and Lupus.
1: I believe that is uh, swelling in the brain. Could be wrong. I'll double-check
0: myself. Uh, cephalitis
1: is swelling of the brain, yes.
0: Because the word doesn't like I don't hear like swelling or brain at all in the words. And so cepha refers to like the head. And then anything itis usually is like a swelling or inflammation. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll forget about this in about 10 seconds again.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next time you're watching House, though, just remember to talk about the swelling of the brain. And you can get that from like, uh, you know, liver failure and stuff like that. You know, your blood can start backing up and it'll give you, uh, you know, encephalitis, and you also have uh, esophageal varices and things like that. You gotta be
0: careful, kids. Don't drink too much. Right on. Look at that. He's on his way, people. You know, you're, <laughs> you're gonna make a good nurse, buddy. I'm sure, I'm sure of it. Doing my best, man. All righty. Uh, but for the moment, it's uh, it's out of nurse territory, sort of, and into Sleaze territory for episode 34 of This Week in Sleaze. And we are on podcastonfire.com. Uh, this show and all other shows about different kinds of cinema uh, is available. They are available there. We have bonus episodes as well. Contact us if you have any questions about uh, any medical questions. You know, Go jo- <laughs> we'll forward them to Joshua. Jeez. <laughs> it's supposed to be swollen up like that. And then, like, graphic uh, then graphic pictures of, uh, like, pus-filled boys and whatever. Like, I... Is the head supposed to be that large? You're supposed to be a doctor. What are you doing? Jesus. You're a nurse. You'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> The, you, you'll get the most rational people writing in uh, or, or not, you know just send feedback or questions or whatever thoughts you have on Podcast on Fire at googlemail.com we are on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Network, uh, Like, bless us with uh, a like on that uh, page, that would very much be appreciated and if you want to interact with us you can do so mainly through the discussion group available uh, as a link on that page or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar to get to us And we also tweet occasionally, so follow our tweets, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I write about Hong Kong movies, uh, sleazy movies, uh, Taiwanese movies, genre movies of mainly the 70s and 80s, and also Godfrey Ho movies, ninja exploitation. Whether they are Godfrey Ho or not Godfrey Ho, they could be Bruce Livingstone. They could be Edgar Jerry or something like that, you know. You, know, you you as a fairly seasoned viewer of Filmark and IFD, you know, you 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 know your crap by now, you know, what is Godfrey Ho and what isn't Godfrey Ho. Robo vampire, most definitely not Godfrey Ho.
1: When you see the Filmark title,
0: you know somebody lied to you. So good reviews.com is where I'll do my writing and I do small bite sized video reviews, little spoken audio video reviews over at sleazykvideo.com. And I tweet at twitter.com forward slash So Good Reviews. This week in is available on iTunes. Rate and subscribe if you want it delivered uh, promptly once an episode is released. If you work uh, work uh, iTunes and your podcast subscriptions uh, that way. Personally, I, I don't subscribe to anything, but like the podcast app, you can gather the ones you follow and you just like refresh the main page and then you'll see uh, a new episode delivered to it. I don't like anything downloading uh, that I'm not in control of. You know what I mean? Because uh, I don't like automatic downloading. Or anything, so, uh, uh, so I recommend uh, following us in your uh, in your uh, podcast app, whether you use an iPhone or any other kind of smartphone. And uh, if you like us, please leave a written comment as well. One or two sentences will very much do as a review for the show. So thank you very much. And you can also stream us on the Stitcher application, Stitcher Radio's application available to your iPhone, or you can do it online as well. And once you're in Stitcher uh, through the app, type in this weekend's lease and you'll find us. Shelf Life Clothing is going strong. Brian Kirby's t-shirt line, including the Caucasians t-shirt uh, that went kind of viral, if you will, in 2014. Not just viral, it wasn't like a video on the internet, uh, but it went uh, like the news uh, uh, The news picked it up. And Brian has been in the news, deservedly so. And we mention him because he's helped out creating uh, music uh, for the show and uh, what have you. So support uh, Brian over at ShelfLifeClothing.com. And support your show as well, who has a couple of endeavors uh, on the net, mainly another podcast. So uh, what is the other podcast you do away from me?
1: The Trashy Trio, though. You've you've
0: been on there. You know it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. So free-for-all, free-for-all vile discussions of uh, even more vile discussions, and I mean vile in the most loving way.
1: Of course, yeah. We're not mean-spirited on the show. It's all about fun. And, uh, yeah, we recently recorded an episode for The Human Tornado, the Dolomite film. Uh, So that should be coming uh, probably in this month. And then... uh,
0: Is that star that guy who's really crap at the martial arts and the... What is his name? It's a free free podcast.
1: Rudy Ray Moore.
0: I mean, he's he's a cult hero, kind of, but I've seen him, and I I hope it's damn funny to watch an entire movie, because he looks sluggish as hell.
1: You'll hear it in our episode, but, you know, some people are really attracted to it, and some people aren't, you know? And, uh, he he, he does things for different people, I'll just say that. I mean, it's sometimes, you know, it's I'm not always the type to, like, watch a movie to watch it, just because it's bad, you know? But, uh, I you know, Rudy Ray Moore makes me laugh, and it's not ever really because of the intentional jokes, you know, because they're usually corny and old style, you know.
0: I might be wrong, so I, I'm, and I, I'm a great big fan of making, uh, making a fool out of myself, but wasn't it like at least evident in one or two of his movies that he wanted to, you know, play the pimp, the awesome macho man mm-hmm. that also does action, you know, really like elevating his image?
1: Oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely the Dolomite character. Like, you think, he is about Rudy really more. He was originally, like, this uh, party, like, club, you know, comedian, kind of. Um, and also R&B singer, but uh, he created this character, Dolomite. you
0: up and down, that kind of thing. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure his songs were even more vulgar. But, uh, he, uh... Became this kind of, like, became this character on stage, Dolomite, the you know Big Daddy Pimp, blah blah blah, and yeah, the movies, basically this those stories told with a kind of thinly laid plot, you know.
0: Is this post Shaft, by the way? Uh, 1975 right so 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 exploitation had taken off by by
1: that point oh yeah yeah uh sweet sweet back had already come out and everything like that and the original dolomite was straight up you know independent you know all pretty much just financed by rudy ray moore uh going on tour and selling his albums and stuff like that like underground records at the time is what they were and then uh he made the film and it became a you know, big success, but it is terrible, I mean, it's definitely poorly made like, uh, Human Tornado has better fight scenes but they're still horrible you know, like whereas in Dolomite, the original, like Oh, God, there were so many missed punches and kicks that you could see. They didn't know how to set up the camera in order to hide that, you know.
0: Is it, like, on the level of, like, Star Trek uh, fight choreography or even worse? Oh,
1: man, it's way worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so worse. Like, uh, you could watch the – and the thing is they were so inept about it. Even the trailer for Dolomite, I think, features him. Doing his one of his little kicks where like it's three feet away from the guy's head and the guy sells it like oh you know
0: it's bad like he creates like wind power or something like right that. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I I know I know it's a uh, it's a cult favorite of course and Do- Dolomite always a uh, it was sounded for some reason very. Italian spaghetti Western flavor For some reason uh, That's just me I do a dolomite That sounds like Solely on the name line, so. uh, Not sure I'm at all uh, Intrigued to watch may- Maybe one movie that, like Watch this At least it's fun Partially it's, uh, It never really Appealed to me Like this sounds bad. I wanna, I wanna get into it. The American cinema, I suppose, of that time is not something I'm hugely into. Not yet, anyway. You know, mm-hmm. these uh, low budget drive-in uh, kind of grindhouse movies.
1: It it draws certain people in, and like, uh, I don't know why anybody outside of the U.S. you know would even want to watch some of this stuff. You know, like the uh, black exploitation films. you know, but because it's so unique and like part
0: of the culture, kind of, you know? Sure, sure, but if it's well-made, it kind of has grit and edge, you know, uh, that'll, that'll translate, even if uh, the cultural impact won't, you know what I mean? See, I wouldn't
1: recommend Shaft, even, because I don't even, I'm not a big fan of Shaft. I would recommend people, if they're going to watch any of these films, would be, like, uh, look up the Fred the Hammer Williamson, because he's just got so much on-screen charisma, you know? He's just, he fucking he eats up the screen, and just, like, he's great. Like, things like Hell Up in Harlem and stuff like that, I would recommend. Those are the movies that I would say Dolomite. No, unless you're just a fan of bad cinema. The name
0: doesn't even sound very hard, you know, uh, Dolomite. Dolomite, motherfucker. (laughs) Well, no, 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 I kind of intrigued. I got a semi-boner going on here. (laughs) (laughs) There's
1: a scene where like uh, Dolomite. goes. This guy's like, he's like hitting on his chick, and she's like, "I'm with Dolomite," and he's like, "Who?" and then a guy and then Dolomite comes out and the are Dolomite motherfucker
0: <laughs> huge zoom in as well 70s style hopefully you
1: know no not even not
0: that technically savvy <laughs> no, just, not, not even a cool like stinger music like
1: ding no just I don't think so just him just walking up
0: wow well yeah, it'll be a fun episode to listen to he uh, rhymes
1: too that's the thing if you don't know about Dolomite everything he says like they call him the godfather of rap uh, he, he rhymed a lot like uh well, nah. <laughs> What was it? I'm trying to think of one of his rhymes. Uh, Man, you'd best move over and let me pass, or they're going to be pulling my hush puppies out your motherfucking ass.
0: <laughs> Sounds great when you say it,
1: though.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's great when he says it, you know. Sold on Joshua, don't
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you just have to deal with a little some of the bad stuff to go with the funny lines so right on
0: uh okay looking forward to that Uh, check out the Trashy Trio links in the show post Uh, before we go on a musical break I want to track back to episode 33 again. this is 34 Uh, me and Joshua talked of the twist and uh, Crazy Love for You and specifically I want to talk a little bit about Crazy Love for You again we mentioned on the show in the review and discussion the, the similarities to Silence of the Lambs in the opening but had no idea if the rest of the movie was riffing heavily on other movies or another movie well it it is actually. Well listener Rick Moore. Generously shared some info that Crazy Love for You is a remake of the American movie The Seduction from 1982, starring Morgan Fairchild. But well, it's not like straight off, like beat by beat, scene by scene. I mean, it even has a low key stalker performance versus Simon Yam's really over the top, you know, full Simon Yam performance. So there's probably no you shot my dicky dialogue in The Seduction. So certainly, if Hong Kong like kind of ripped it off, they still surely put their cat-free spin on it. Their kind of energy, their kind of mad energy.
1: I'm sure they made it better.
0: You know, you never know. I mean, uh, I I I'd watch it because of that now, and uh, you know, Morgan Fairchild is uh, easy on the eyes and all, all of that. So I mm-hmm. think he mentioned that she gets naked in the movie as well. So there's always that to look forward to, I suppose. Maybe it is better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, thank you very much, Rick. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening and all of that and always being very supportive. So there you go. Crazy love for you and the seduction. And I don't think it's necessarily buried either. I think it should be available. I thought I saw a DVD logo on V art on IMDb, but don't, don't quote me on that. But regardless, it's um, it, uh, it has some reviews over there and some uh, message board discussions. So it's not like the seduction is 100% unknown.
1: I've never... I don't believe
0: I've ever heard of it, you know,
1: it doesn't ring any bells, you know
0: Not a huge cult favor, possibly, then like, uh, it was a movie that came and went and maybe was appreciated at the time, but um, not something that uh, lingered in uh, viewers' uh, memories uh, through generations and generations mm-hmm check it out if you can find it in the meantime we're going to take a short musical break and after that it's time to discuss Daughter of Darkness from 1993 which might be a remake or something else too you never know probably not the other Daughter of Darkness that I think is a famous movie from somewhere but um, uh, because when you look up the movie uh, Daughter of Darkness you get some other matches as well but uh, I I didn't do any research regarding that because it just came to me but um, if you have if you know if Daughter of Darkness in Hong Kong is a remake of something Share podcast on fire at googlemail.com and on Facebook. And uh, in the meantime, we'll take a musical break. <laughs> Welcome back and now we are going to discuss Daughter of Darkness 1 and in the other half, as we said, it's Daughter of Darkness 2. This one is from 1993 and plot from my review of the film. Captain Loy, played by Anthony Wong, finally gets a case in the small mainland village where he's stationed. It's a crime involving the brutal slaughter of a family and with his new assistant called Kid, played by Moneylo from Red to Kill. She played the social worker in Red to Kill. Uh, They begin to untangle what led up to this grisly act of violence. Their investigation leads them to questioning Fong, played by Lily Chung, also from Red to Kill, played uh, the mentally handicapped uh, uh, character in Red to Kill. Uh, She's the only surviving member of the dead family. She claims she has an alibi, but when her boyfriend, Kin, played by uh, Hugo M from Brother of Darkness and Lily Chung's real-life husband at this time, I believe, uh, when he's arrested, uh, suspected of the killing, Fong finally admits and sits down to reveal the true story of what happened. So, category three flashback structure again, which was fairly common during this time. Uh, so, first of all, Joshua, brief opinion uh, from you, and then from me, and then we'll get in, we'll get into it. What did you think of Daughter of Darkness?
1: Really good stuff. Really good uh, film. Goes into some territories that you don't expect, namely, actually the comedy side of things which shouldn't work but somehow manages to do so probably because of the strength of Anthony Wong and then manages to create a pretty touching story in the midst of all this horrid horribleness.
0: I agree. It's hugely depressing and inappropriately funny, but both moods manages to succeed despite not belonging together for any logical reasons. But hey, this is a Hong Kong movie after all. Uh, so you got to kind of hail Ivan I for grit, violence, erotica and, you know, comedy casting as Anthony Wong kind of steals this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Bastard. You know, it, it starts all, like, serious. It's about someone's final moments on a death, uh, death row, so to say. Uh, li, you know, Lily Chung is making herself up, and then you cut to someone pouring tea, and Anthony Wong dancing and prancing around, picking opera style, and we get the most inappropriate cop ever on screen, I think. God. I mean, what is there to, like, start to say about Anthony Wong? Because it's not, like, comedic in a subtle way. It's turned up and it's designed to be turned up it's not like Anthony Wong said I'm turning it up Mr. Director this is what they aim for this uh comedic intensity and it's broad isn't it oh very
1: yeah he he grabs boobs in order to tell how long dead bodies <laughs> how long bodies have been dead this is how he tells
0: he's a, he's a genius he's a he's a genius he's, he's got the magic in his hand, hands <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I don't know if it's a uh, it's if it's meant to be if it is it's certainly not a very uh, sharp satire but you know it's uh it's a rural kind of village this uh judging by the size of the police station and soon we kind of get um in between the lines that this is set on the mainland mm-hmm. so it's the wacky mainland <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the wacky stupid mainland where everyone is stupid
1: <laughs> everybody likes to perf- like over there everybody likes to you know Portray their, you know, the other people's cops as being like assholes and whatnot. Now, these days, it's always like uh, you get the mainland Chinese films that portray wherever else, Taiwan or whoever, it's like, you know, police forces being the assholes. This and movie
0: would not be made today. No. <laughs> because it's not mainland friendly at all, because it's pretty. Is stupid up there <laughs> i mean he's effective at getting confessions though but it's really i mean uh, they're not following any regulations here because he, he sits down people and just pulls a gun on them Go
1: <laughs> then he's like you know one of my favorite bits was like uh, just a small thing with one of the cops or whatever is like taking a bribe off of the photographer like uh right after they discover the bodies or whatever and they're doing a little investigation one of the front guards is like about to take a bribe from a photographer and then he walks and intercepts between them and basically just pulls the money out of his pocket and puts it in his (laughs) like tracks the police off the uh, photographer inside like sets him up with the best shots and whatnot
0: Jeez. well what what kind of shots does he actually get (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mostly of Anthony yeah, because uh, he's uh, got a sort of a fa- fashion model uh, dream apparently. Yeah. So he makes uh, he throws himself on the couch like and do the peace sign, yeah. And he uh, turns to the camera and he's got a duck face on, you know, and pouts and uh, and then um, he poses with uh, the body of William Ho, like pulls him up from the floor,
1: like grabs him, I guess, by the back of the shirt and just easily lifts the body up into the air. So that they can take a uh, picture together
0: and, and making making a thumbs up sign and is so happy to be standing there with the body and that is the shot that ends up in the fucking newspaper like <laughs> mainland journalism. It's also stupid. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's infectious though, despite being inappropriate. If you look at what uh, what move is also not supposed to have different moods. Really, it's it's really fun when they do and when it's done like, in an energetic way, but it, that's why I say it's inappropriate, and uh, the content may be, depending on the viewer you are as well, as, as Josh said, like, he investigates the, the, the body by, like, squeezing it, squeezing the woman's breasts, and like, mm, she's been dead for this and this, you know, which is uh, not, uh, you know, investigative science, it, it's not what like, CSI would do.
1: He had the, he's on fire during that whole sequence, man, with, like, uh, when they have the bodies that they did, are discovered and whatnot, like, uh, when he goes upstairs, and, uh, you know, just, I don't know if it's, if they were mildly improvised or what, but, like, him taking his, like, taking the scarf or whatever he has, and then, like, dipping it in. Okay, they have one of the bodies that are discovered is the sister of the main character, of Lily Chung's character, who's upstairs, and for some reason her boobs are, like, lifted out of her bra, and she's laying in a bathtub full of water, and she's dead, and, like, so Anthony takes his scarf and, like, dips it into the water with the dead body and then wipes his face with it and
0: cleans his face. I mean, you don't need to be a trained anything to know that, you know, all kinds of nasty right there, you know, a body that's been there for a few hours or a day. And it's 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 waste. I mean, it's oh, my God, <laughs> But he's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like uh, two hours later. like <clears throat> I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> Uh, And he doesn't even dress as a cop uh, when he arrives at the scene. His his uniform is unbuttoned, and he's there just as you know, stomping onto the scene and like probably destroying evidence because he's walking like making footprints, you know, in between the bodies and what have you. But uh, it's not an investigation that is uh, this CSI-style investigation where they they it's all science, you know, and uh, finding like uh, yeah yeah it's very uh, primal and uh, kind of. Bad investigation, in a way, because it's the mainland, and they're stupid.
1: (laughs) I mean, we get a whole sequence where they sit there, and they go, like, basically, uh, Kid and uh, Anthony Wong's character go through the house, just a few sequences, a few scenes later, where they're like, okay, so the killer entered through the uh, bathroom window, even though it has bars on it, and, like, (laughs) all this stuff, like, you know, just trying to come up with this harebrained idea of what happened, and it's like a five-minute sequence of them just kind of guessing and bullshitting their way through it, and uh, completely getting everything wrong. (laughs) Like, no point in the movie other than just to show how inept kind of they are. But, at the same time, as the movie progresses, you kind of learn that he's kind of good at his job, too.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know? Like, even though he's a total idiot, he still manages to, like, he can get confessions from people even without using his gun and he kind of like picks up on little some little odd hints and stuff at like when things aren't exactly
0: right yeah it's 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 sort of a nice balance to the character that uh, mm-hmm. you uh, you don't take him seriously for one bit but you realize there's so many instincts there yeah, unconventional ones but instincts nonetheless uh, um, going back a little bit I mean all of this we should say Ivan live the director this is his great big comedy portion of the movie and there's no darkness really here and he really takes care of it fairly well I mean it is funny it's not like it's stylish or anything but it is funny and infectious seeing Anthony Wong probably left to his own devices to a degree mm-hmm. but you know there's a reason why it's inappropriately funny in a very good way you don't like Cover your eyes in embarrassment uh, in terms of no. how bad the comedy is. It's really energetic and infectious despite not belonging there for any logical reason. And uh, it starts with uh, when money low. It's nearly unrecognizable uh, when you I see her. I don't even recognize her now. I mean, she is more like boyish here in the movie, and uh, it's, you know, as soon as she gets into the station, she's like the latest uh, latest uh, recruit, if you will. He sees her, and he starts inspecting, uh, you know, her breasts, her boob area. It's like, are you a boy or a girl? You know, when when will you be a boy? And she says, when the political party asks me to. <laughs> so again, it's the wacky mainland. <laughs> He's uh, talking to her, and then Lily Chung at one point enters, and, and he gets so distracted and super happy. Oh, it's a girl! I'll take care of her. You know, there's no subtlety at all. I'll take care of that interrogation, you know.
1: Well, crap, like, when, when they're at the house with all the dead bodies and, like, Lily Chung's there and she's kind of crying or whatever, he, like, sits down next to her and he's like, do all of your family have big tits? i just asking. <laughs> like, he basically tries to molest her on the couch right there while her dead family, like, sits all around her.
0: No, like, uh, no, like, sensitive or respectful behavior at all. No. And it's so. Great. And that, that whole just asking, I think, I think he also talks to her like, she, because she says I was with uh, my boyfriend. Oh, what did you do? Did he squeeze your tits? Just asking. Just asking. <laughs> did he tie you up? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah, and he does that like five or six times. Just asking. Just asking. Just, just getting his perv on. And you think like, this is And There's nothing brilliant about this. But who knows? I mean, it's, it certainly gets he progresses in the investigation and... Uh, it's amazing that I Light like asks us to kind of side and sit with this character. And he kind of gets us on the side of the comedic side of the movie quite easily. Um, mm-hmm. Despite it having, you know, all elements for like a disaster recipe, but it really, it's, it's fun. It's really funny. Even laugh out loud, funny through uh, the visuals and the uh, fairly good subtitles. It's not the subtitles that mess the things up and make it in a, like a comedic, uh, in an unintentional way or anything. And it's, it's a fun pairing with uh, Anthony Wong and the kid, Money Low, who, who slowly, like, turns into, like, now I recognize Money Low. Uh, but uh, they, her hair is short, she's got glasses on, and he's kind, of, kind of perky in the beginning. So you don't recognize, like, the serious dramatic actors from Red to Kill here or anything, uh, which uh, all credit to her, yeah. that she can hide behind. Uh, not a, like, a lot of... Uh, costume design or makeup design just uh, some small changes and hey there she is so uh, she, she's uh, not a very frequent actress but uh, she's in a few of these movies including brother of darkness her and anthony wong have small cameos as uh barristers in uh, brother of darkness uh, so they're super serious um, all throughout that movie so that is also what you like about any good actor for instance anthony wong that it's the image and the behavior and the intensity And the subtlety could vary in degree from movie to movie. Anthony Wong is a terrific actor. This is not his only bread and butter. He's an excellent, excellent dramatic actor, very subtle actor, and can be a goofball like you read about. And I think only the greatest actors can get away with, like, this comedic behavior. It's certainly an example of that, anyway. He was definitely having fun with this one. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, uh, he's always this outspoken guy who often says, like, uh, it's a job. It's for the money. I didn't like that. I didn't like that director. Blah blah blah. Here it looks like he's uh, enjoying himself. At least enjoying himself, even though he maybe dislike everyone else on the shoot. possibly, but he's still enjoying himself. Like so. Uh, or, or, or on that point, I've got to say it. Like I, I like. I, I think that when I realized that Anthony Wong's character is kind of on on the ball and sharp, is like he can. He knows how to act his way you know, to people talking, you know, at one point he kind of sits down with this group of gossiping uh, uh, middle-aged uh, ladies. Yeah, I don't think he says he's a cop or anything, but regardless, they spill the beans on like, oh, I've heard this about the family, I've heard this about the family. Wow, did you really? What did you say? What did they say? So he's really good at uh, sort of uh, approaching people and kind of adjusting to the situations to get uh, whatever, like, information he needs. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get restless, though, in terms of, like, okay, I know there's darkness, when is that going to come? Or was it, like, enjoyable up until I'm Allied as his main switch to to the past, if you will?
1: It's almost like a, a half and half type thing, isn't it? It comes, like, uh, probably in the 30 to 40 minute mark where we finally kind of get the flashbacks to, you know, what happened and how these dead bodies showed up in this house, you know? I, I didn't really grow too restless. I, you know, I. I I think Anthony manages to carry the movie during the first half, and without him, you know, the police stuff's not as interesting. And I, we'll talk about it a bit in the sequel, but that's kind of like to me the weakness of the sequel uh, that they don't have an Anthony Wong to rely on to really, you know, find a, a character that's so over the top, but is still has layers to him, and still you can kind of say, okay, well, it, his character's a complete idiot, but at the same time, he's good enough at his job that he can do it and there's even like some emotional payoff to the character towards the end you know and that's a surprise
0: yeah yeah there was definitely some honed uh, intentions here and uh, seeing as we know now after watching the movie that Ivan Lai has got the darkness down as well and and we like the comedy to, to quite a degree too that this structure is very much something you approve of because you enjoyed both you know what i mean you're, you're you're not sitting there like oh it's funny i laughed at it but it's not it's not appropriate Then i can't get into a movie on the up. You're right. you, on the contrary you can because when right. it switches it man oh man you, you sit there that's why i say it's an awfully depressing movie because it's there's no like there's only gloom at from one from like the 30 40 minute mark until the end essentially
1: with only mild breaks from it and stuff, but when they do have the breaks and they have the slightly comedic bits with, like, Money Low, like, crying and, like, blah, blah, blah you know, and all that stuff, when they do have that, it's more toned down than, than what came before it, you know, it's not as broad and wild or wacky.
0: I mean, the tone is there to appeal to audiences. Audiences, it really is. I mean, Category 3 cinema, if you will, was not the first to like start putting comedy in like uh, rape movies or anything. It's been there for a while, like the, this uh, content, uh, that, lo- that assault of content. But uh, in these movies, seen as they were... Really adult movies, it uh, sticks out a little bit more and uh, works. Uh, when it works, it's uh, it's uh, quite uh, quite a thing to to remember. At one point, I don't have the dates or anything, but I know at one point Lily Chung and actor Hugo M were married, and they appeared in I think they appeared in movies while married uh, during this time, even if not during this movie or during Bravo of Darkness. But regardless, that, that's a risky venture, as we know in global cinema, or to put like someone who's got uh, chemistry and love in real life. In a similar role on screen to show chemistry and love and um, affection for each other, that can go so wrong, obviously. I mean, there, there's famous examples in Hollywood, and uh, and but here, I'll ask you: How do you think their sweet romance and their like new bonding works? You know, uh, do, do do they show chemistry on screen? I guess it's a simple question.
1: Absolutely, I thought so. I, I think that uh, the love story between them is what actually gives the heart of the movie towards the end, you know? You do kind of, like, he can be kind of a bonehead at times, especially, like, the sequence at the end during the slaughter, I guess. You know, I feel like uh, you really, like, uh, it's really rips your heart out during the final act. Like, the, I'm not going to go into it just yet, but, like, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we we keep it fairly spoiler free though. We know there's been a big murder, but I think there's we should. A family uh, photo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. it's really well made. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also it really works. They do have chemistry and they're very sweet together and very natural together. And proven actors uh, uh, subsequently anyway in Brother of Darkness. I think that was the year after the same year, but regardless, we've approved of their. Because in Brother of Darkness, it was Hugo M who was the abused uh, brother. Uh, William Ho kind of abused him. Didn't rape him, but he, you know, really abused him and, uh, and degraded him. And Lily Chung was the girlfriend who look, looking in on all this. And they were really good together. He was impotent based on that, like, psychological abuse in that movie. And that also brings up the, po- the point that there, there would be an automatic, like, comfort to be naked on screen. But still you hear Ivan Lai instructing the sex to be very erotic, but also romantic. It's about care and not sex filler. And that, I think, Lily and Hugo really pull off as well. Um, Because no sex in here is, uh, you know, stopping the movie, I think. Um, uh, not between them, anyway. Uh, some William Holt stuff could be argued to be stopping the movie, but it's kind of true to his character, too, as we'll talk of in a little bit. So that, uh, I think uh, the very they are shot in a very sensitive way, too, I suppose, because it's not about fucking. It's about you know close to making love, if you will. This is romance. Uh, right. You know, they're they're not stylistically inventive or anything, but they they, they really get the job done and they, they show comfort with each other, uh, both actors. One other danger for the movie is William Hope. And uh, when I mean danger, uh, danger of his over-the-top performance uh, could have derailed the movie too. William Hope is a performer that doesn't go for low-key at all. I mean, he, he's a good-ass actor to play loud and evil and loud and rapey kind of a, hilar- and a hilarious sexual animal, too, at other points. You know, he's uh, Lily-Jung's father, and he shows, like, extreme sex lust in general, but animal tendencies early directed towards her. This was, in short for me, and you can kind of state what you think of William Ho, this was usually, if you look at the three or four movies, I suppose, where he did play this type of character, it was usually very scary. Yeah. Because he's a big presence. He's an animal on screen.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, even... Even though he has certain bits in between that are slightly humorous or whatever, he's always that uh, Joe Pesci esque character who just you know violence is coming from him. You know, yeah, I thought he was perfect for the role. I mean, he's uh, David Hess, you know, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he doesn't have that. You know, he can't switch to a romantic lead necessarily. Right. No. He's always on and there, and that like glare is and. His gleeful laughing while raping and what have you is so over the top and could have gone, could have derailed, but it never does. You know that whole row your boat sequence towards Uh the end is just like row your boat, really. But it's it's something you gasp at, even. Yeah, it's not funny. (laughs) It isn't at all. And I, the whole family situation is obviously heartbreaking because she seems to be the only working member of the family. Right. Yeah. She, she works at a sewing company or something like that. And uh, they all, the brother, the sister, the mother, and certainly the father, obviously, all are incredibly mean to her. Uh, it's this environment that has sort of created this, this group versus one. Also, as humanity, we are fucking vile and evil that way. That we can get a group like uh, chemistry going on and direct that towards one week. And it's extremely pronounced bullying, but it's so effective because of their acts towards someone like Lily Chung, who's got this victim's aura and face about her and her performance, is that too. That It's it's not easy to watch her be verbally degraded and certainly not, as the movie goes along, physically degraded. As kind of what starts dominating after mm-hmm. the whole, like, you're worthless... Speech from each and every family member as she comes home, you know.
1: And Chung, she really dedicates to the role, man. She doesn't treat it like it's a, a silly shocker or anything like that. She's given her dramatic all.
0: So if it does, not you know, uh, it's not the first time, you know, Red to Kill uh, is uh, obviously uh, this, uh, you know, the acts towards her in that one are, you know, almost double vile because she's. Uh, she's being raped and she's mentally handicapped too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, that's why Red to Kill has its rep, if you will, as one of the most, uh, you know, it's not one of the one of the most P, not at all PC, PC. movie out of uh, Hong Kong cinema. Fortunately, it doesn't have a lot of comedy that movie uh, at all, really. So um, all all detestable people, but it's effective. How Ivan Lai pushes your phone know, to a breaking point. There will be a breaking point here, and there will be violence. Uh, um, so, and he's also set, set in this like small house. You know, it's almost cla- claustrophobic, um, if you will. Like all the rooms are close together. So whenever Dad is, uh, you know, having sex with Mom, everyone everyone's gonna hear it. Whenever Dad brings home a prostitutes and put uh, peanuts on his and uh, her nipples, you're gonna hear it. Yeah, jeez. I mean, that, that's that's why I say he puts peanuts on. They, they play this stupid game where, I, I suppose, you like, if you can keep a peanut on your nipple and in your ear, then you.
1: I, I don't know what the game was. All I know is William Ho had peanuts on his nipples, and <laughs> my mind was blown at that point. I didn't know what to think about life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed for me. I'll never be the same person again.
0: And yeah, they, he drops those, and they're obviously, um he a character that's here to like squash happiness at every corner you know he uh, lily chung has received a uh, 90 i suppose from uh, hugo and she's happy to see that that small minute happiness that he just walks in in on because he's um, all horned up and drunk and she sees her and off uh, off he goes on her i mean she she gets raped by her father but there is a dialogue in the movie. I wasn't sure, sure. It's unacceptable, obviously. But I wasn't sure what to conclusion there, uh, what to draw from the dialogue between William Ho and the mother, because she says that she's an illegitimate child, and I didn't know if that meant you are not her father or that she was born out of you know, out of wedlock or something like I that. I didn't catch that. Yeah, <laughs> it's but, but regardless, I mean, this they're married and this is the family now, and it does a thing that I mean. We we've we've seen rapes in Hong Kong cinema ton, tons and tons of times. Here is a rare kind of daring thing they do where it's uh, it's incest. I can't remember many instances or any instances at all of of incest in these movies. So. versus the comedy when you talk about it, man, is that really how you do it movie? Comedy early, stupid mainland, and then this. Yeah. And it gets worse. It gets worse. I mean it's effective, obviously, and it's a sequence where you gotta be game as actors. And I hope they had a like a light rapport, Lily Chung and William Ho on screen, where they took care of each other because what's done here is so physical that it can kind of destroy you a little bit too, you know, I being tied up and force fed beer in the movie, presumably water, obviously. But I think my grand, points, grand point my, my point here is that why I think Lie should be hailed is one of the few filmmakers that started making mainstream movies got into Category 3 and showed he had a flair for extreme cinema. Few of the filmmakers of this time got awakened like that. Some just made a titty movie and a really flat titty movie. And maybe some darkness in there, but still a flat TV movie. Ivan Lai is one of those that had it in him. You know, what I mean, You're, based mm-hmm. on this movie alone and parts of Daughter of Darkness too, would you say that this is one of those filmmakers that just got like the extreme exploitation touch, if you will? Yeah,
1: I would say that. I mean, he also—it's a very stylish movie too. Both films, you know, both films have you know sequences that are. In, you know, I would say incredibly well done. You know, uh, the sequence after the rape with uh, Lily Chung walking in the rain and stuff like that. I really like the way he handles that. I like that. I like. There's also a rain sequence in the second film that I really like. I like the way he, you know, manages to create that like somber atmosphere. Yeah, the the mix of things that shouldn't work in this film. Yeah, it's definitely uh, handled by someone with uh, who's capable. You know.
0: Ivan, um, as we said, did Rotty Ghost Story 3, which was a very funny movie. It included Xing Fuyon sh- shrinking himself to kind of walk into the vagina of the big bad, uh, female bad guy, uh, bad bad guy, bad woman, uh, villain. No, uh, you know, uh, like a ghost or a witch or what have you. So they built like a vagina set that Xing Fuyon was walking around in. <laughs> Once again, very stylish. Silly, but stylish. Very, very, exactly. The, the two S's. And uh, and and again, just to briefly mention it again, it's worked so well with Xingfuyuan. It's a non, it's a category two, boo, uh, two B or two movie, the uh, Blue Gene Monster is uh, one of the shin Fuyon's rare lead roles, where he plays this cop who dies, who comes back. And it's uh, very creative uh, from a special effects point of view, very fun, and also uh, quite dopey as a comedy, and also touching as uh, as a movie, because he, he wants to come back and also see the birth of his kid, that movie. But it, it's a wild time, the blue jean monster, finally available uh, um, on DVD, or at least was uh, during the last few years. So uh, check out Ivan Lai's work, if you will. I like little dramatic beats, by the way. One of the best, I think, from Lily is that uh, we're at the end of the movie, kind of, and she's sharpening a pair of scissors, you know, in the dark room. I mean, she's going to go down now. And she's, you know, she's been violated by this point, obviously. And uh, she's surprised by her boyfriend, Kin, Hugo Um's character, with a birthday cake. If you watch Lily Chung quite carefully, she there's some marvelous beats here that where she communicates that she can't believe that kindness even exists in this world. You know, she's uh, taken out of her, like, revenge mode and into this, wow, this exists. You know, happiness exists. Maybe there is some hope after all. As it turns out, there's no hope here. (sighs) uh, uh, We're on a downslide. But uh, another reason why the movie is dramatically sound as well as comedically sound, depending on the viewer you are, you know. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what is it? Well, we can talk a little bit about the end. I mean, there's, uh, if anything, the most humiliating stuff is towards the end, you know, when uh, William Ho wants to celebrate her birthday. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Any spontaneous notes on what uh, William Ho does with the cake in question? Does he eat? No. <laughs> well, kind of. It, it Things get
1: fucking weird, man. Towards the end, he, like, obviously, he, he basically developed a pulley system, didn't he?
0: Uh, Yep, yep, he's creative. Like,
1: like, oh man! Basically, yeah, sets up this rope and pulley system right in the living room and uh, ties his daughter to it. And next thing you know, he's taking cake and whatever else and pouring it all over her body and performing kind of langus and bending her over for doggy style. Ah, It's it's. It's not good stuff,
0: you know. Yeah, he's getting drunk and like smearing like uh, whipped cream and cake on her and licking it off her, and uh, it's really humiliating stuff. And and you know, you know as you said, he bends a rope and, uh, and rapes her. And that's where he sings or, or shouts, you know, row 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 your boat. Ugh. William Ho does it, man. I mean, it's effective the way it's supposed to be effective, I suppose. And he's um, he's meant for this, you know, for better or worse. And I mean, he, he's game if anything. It's not like he was worried about his. Uh, you know, public persona or anything, otherwise he wouldn't appear in these movies.
1: And this is what leads to the ultimate, like, massacre in the film and everything, where all the violence comes into
0: play. Oh, yeah, and boy, is it primal violence. I mean, it it's supposed to be in the movie, it's considering what Lily has gone through. I mean, we know that the entire family goes down, and she obviously survives it, um, because she's the one killing all of them. And uh, it's, it's great violence with some sla- uh, splashes of fantastic action choreography that I think you should acknowledge because the various, like, you know, f- people getting thrown over tables and into stuff and the various, like, uh, you know, back and forth and struggles that requires an action choreographer of note to kind of sell all of this, uh, mixed with the director, actor, some special effects. And it's... Um, the, the best beat happens in terms of all of that is when Hugo mm, battles William Ho, if you will. He, he's, in the, he's in the scene as well. One of them gets thrown into that General Kwan figure that uh, William Ho worships uh, whenever he comes mm-hmm. home and whatever. Uh, the directors in this case, uh, the action directors, are Alan Chan and uh, Chan Wah. So Just a shout-out because uh, it really rests on their shoulders as well to get this primal fight back. Point of mm-hmm. no return kind of massacre uh, working, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, uh, William Ho is shot multiple times, twice in the dick, or three times in the dick. Of course. So, so so, there's a theme for you, two episodes in a row.
1: Yeah, well, and then the next movie too has some, uh, some dick violence.
0: Mm hmm. And uh, a great a great big old, like, 16 or 18 stabbing of the brother, which I think is just uh, fantastic that it's in this version of the film. like she, Because her brother has been as much of a, you know, vile person towards her. So and there it's, now it's on, and she stabs him 16 or 18 times in the back, and it's just a monster by this point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: remember listening, like, think about the thing about the boyfriend or whatever, uh... He, he, he gets thrown into that case, and then he's out for the entire night, right? Is that basically what happens? Like, knocked
0: unconscious. Right, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think so, yeah.
1: And it reminds me of, uh, like, the commentary tracks for Evil Dead, like, when I listen to those and how they just <laughs> – there's, like, two or three sequences, and uh, – in the evil dead where like Bruce Campbell gets knocked into a shelf and it falls over on him. And like, he had to pretend like he couldn't get out from underneath the shelf. And, uh, well,
0: while... essentially,
1: right. <laughs> what? So it... heavy. Uh. It, it's that sort of thing where, you know, he, this, the character of the Hugo gets thrown into the, uh, counter and like, he's out for the rest of it. And so she ends up murdering everybody. And it's like, had he been less of a wimp, he could have been there to be like, "Oh, oh, don't kill everybody, baby." We, you know, he attacked you. We had killed him. Let's go to the police, you know, or whatever. And things could have maybe went a different way in the movie, but because of him being such a wimp, <laughs> it's just, he fucked everything up. I hope he realizes this later on.
0: <laughs> they only try to form an alibi. Yeah. Uh, after this, and like because she reports the crime, my family's dead, and you know where were you? I was with my boyfriend, but then it all gets gets untangled by Anthony Wong and Kid. That's the end of my notes. But uh, do you want to say anything else before we do the complex availability?
1: Not really. I leave the ending to the people to discover. It's a good. This is well. This one's good enough. You need to track it down. So
0: absolutely. I mean, it, it, you kind of can, but uh, it's it's obtainable, but it's difficult to own uncut. It was uh, once uncut fully on Ocean Shore's uh, VHS version, which is what we watched. Their subsequent laserdisc had massive cuts to that master, including some violence, but mostly the sexual violence uh, was largely cut, like force-feeding of beer and the rape scenes and what have you. So when released on DVD by Universe, some of this cut footage was restored using a different source, but not all of the footage. It's been still missing a, b- a fair bit, and I believe I heard that they were working from a a permanently subtitled source. Uh, that they're going to inject in the main master. So they cut out any dialogue during these restored bits because the subtitles would have been there. So it's a DVD, like that restored DVD is not fully complete, but it's um, it's near enough. I mean, that, that was the one I first watched uh, back in the day. And later I heard, um, because I've written it in my reviews so it must have been sort of um, on the block, the rumor block, that Universe repressed their DVD with no cover art difference and had all restored bits taken out again. Uh, I can't confirm that fully because I obviously haven't seen both versions, but a semi-heads-up, if you find a Universe DVD, you'll only know what you're going to get once you watch it, because that switch to different footage is uh, quite, uh, quite evident. Uh, Hong Kong Video's French DVD edition, which was rem- remastered, is reportedly the same as Universe's original, partly restored edition. And as it looks now, any Hong Kong edition that we talked about is out of print, uh, as is the French edition, but that is available via the French Amazon marketplace for reasonable prices, in, in case you don't need subtitles for the movie, because it's uh, it's only a French dub and Cantonese without um, any other subtitles other than French. So, uh, so Daughter of Darkness is um, problematic, and why all of a sudden there were cuts to the master, no one can really find uh, figure out, because Ocean Shores had this kind of... uh, It happened for multiple movies from Ocean Shores that uh, once uncut and then some tweaks happened to the master and then sort of the ball got rolling. In this case, it it never got back to uncut status, and at this time, it's only that VHS that's uncut. Not, you know, terrifically violent or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some cuts to the sexual violence would have been the censor stuff, but seen as... uh, Uh, The censor's responsible for it But seeing as the uh, It's uncut on VHS And uh, I have a feeling That this movie might have slipped through Fairly uncut um, Because I'm saying that sometimes VHS Were longer than the cinema Versions but uh, regardless I don't think This movie was that butchered Um, You know some sexual violence Possibly and some violence But uh, not as much as On that Ocean Shore's disc, Which uh, had cuts galore so um, uh, minutes minutes in total, you know, so try and try and chuck it down and that's the uh, that 's the long and short of it in terms of availability availability so let 's take a short musical break again and then uh prepare to discuss daughter of darkness 2 mostly unrelated but I mean, you, you can say it is related they uh, connect the movies initially uh, so uh, anthony wong actually gets for screen time if you a little bit of screen time in the sequel but that's as much of a sequel that we get here it's on it's the a same cameo it's a cameo shot by camera <laughs> <laughs> you know and put on a bulletin board <laughs> i wonder if he got paid for that <sighs> No. <laughs> Probably not and in Hollywood they would have sued their asses off because you used my you use my image. But uh, Anthony was uh, I'm doing five movies anyway this week so it's fine. Uh, but the uh, sit tight and we'll be back to discuss the sequel so to say. <laughs> Welcome back, and we are going to discuss uh, the final discussion of this episode, Daughter of Darkness 2 from 1994. A plot from my review of the film. Police discover a family of three brutally murdered uh, persons, and the uh, dim-witted village cops begin their search for the murderer. Seamen found on the crime scene leads to a suspect, uh, the character of Kun, played by actor Dick Lau. But unfortunately, he falls off a roof and ends up in a coma. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, while at the hospital the sergeant heading the case played by Liu Kai-Chi award winning veteran actor Joshua (laughs) actually he's a fantastic actor and can be crazy as well I don't know if you ever saw Beast Stalker he plays the colleague of Nick Che and he won an award for that film but he's a fantastic character actor Liu Kai-Chi so at the hospital he sees the mysterious Sao played by Chen Yim Lai I think her English name is Julia or Juliet and she is transferring the remains of a lost one for burial. He follows her to the cemetery and she sits down with him to tell him her story. There you go, the same count kind of the same movie and same structure if you will. Uh, my brief opinion. See as it's a repeat of comedy and darkness using Pretty much an identical cop character, despite a different actor. It's still, it's not as good comedically, it's still fairly irresistible because of what they do. But the comedy power, and the darkness power, isn't quite the same as one. Drama isn't either, but, but, but. Lie, Ivan mean Lie, is effective conveying mainland evil and darkness and violent primal revenge. So it's still very, very watchable and even very good. So, uh, what's your brief take on the movie?
1: Watchable, yes. I don't know about very good. I, I wasn't into this one as much, uh, namely because the drama doesn't work, uh, the comedy doesn't work, and uh, I just wasn't uh, nearly absorbed by it. There, there's certain, there's key elements and moments in the film. I think uh, Ben Ung and like uh, the little love triangle even though it's been done a million times it, it it works i felt uh and we're going to talk about that i'm sure but later in the film you know it basically movie lost me during the first half and then movie loses me during the back half with certain key moments in between that are kind of interesting
0: i i think my like the main teller uh, why i think it's even very good because i can recognize there are weak elements is i think it's just uh it's got it's got a punch to it, you know. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, that's why I kind of take away. But let's talk of uh, the cop. You promote one goof because it's said here that uh, because there's a picture picture of Anthony Wong, which is a still
1: from the first movie.
0: Uh, so there's a picture of him and Liu Kai Chi saying, that, "Well, you got promoted, and uh, let's let's see what I can do." Essentially, so you you promote one goof and put another in his place, I suppose. Oh, boy.
1: Like, almost, of course, they're going to dress the same and everything like that, but he really seems like he's trying his best to be that same Anthony Wong character, you know? Just really doing his best to, like, almost do an imitation of the character.
0: It's what I'm like. It's kind of an exercise in can we do it twice, I suppose, uh, slash laziness in a way, too. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's the Wacky mainland again, you know, and you know, it's like rural and kind of villagey because there's ducks inside the police station and no one really cares. Uh, So, you know, mainland friendly, it is not. But uh, this time they got a busty female police officer here. No kid who possibly isn't busty.
1: She is
0: hot. She is. She doesn't look like a cop before, like, at all, but uh, no. she is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull up the uh, uh, Hong Kong Movie Database, uh, because I have a feeling I haven't seen that actress in a lot of movies, but she makes the best of her role here as a busty slash over-sexual virgin. <laughs> It's just uh, say what you want about that. You know, let's say Donna, I think her name was Linda Chung. And there's uh, like um, 10 credits or what have you, but I don't remember her specifically from many movies. Uh, he, she's in Lost here in China playing hooker. Is, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so, so no leads uh, uh, as such. Uh, this is probably one of her bigger parts. And, and yeah, it's the same cop. I mean, he uses the same methods to check like, oh, how long has this one been dead? But I love this guy. But he, he starts okay. um, squeezing... Uh, the the breast of a lady they pull out of the house that the murder has taken place in. Well, when did she die? Ooh, it's turning hard. The nipple is turning hard. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a live one there, and what it turns out to be is just someone's wife has fainted, having walked into the house. You know, the gruesome. <laughs> And they dragged her outside. So because she doesn't, she doesn't have blood all over her. But he apparently can't wait to start checking for breast stiffness. It's like they learned that in Mainland Police Academy.
1: Yeah, that or they're just making fun of the fact that he's a complete duplicate of the previous character. <laughs> I don't know.
0: So, I mean, yeah, we, we, we got comedy. We got a gruesome off-them-off. Uh, so you wonder to yourself, okay, can this match? The one, because Lai is seemingly making the same movie here.
1: You would think it's going to be more gruesome by the bodies that are found with like bear traps and people hanging from the ceiling and stuff like that. you think it's going to be a more grotesque
0: film. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, it, it's sort of on the slight same level. They're not far apart in terms of the violent aspects. I think if, I think they both do well there, even though their dramatic impact is not there. Ivan Lai is doing the same here, thing here, where he keeps us in comedy mode for... A good thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do like ten comedic scenes. He does quite only a few, and he keeps us nailed to the scene where he's uh, bringing in all the men to us in the village on false pretenses. Like he asks his uh, uh, his uh, officers, like, "Tell them uh, we give them we'll give mm-hmm. them presents." <laughs> 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 so they all arrive at the police station with uh, different uh, like pans and pots and what have you, where are the presents and he's there to ask them to uh, to uh, leave a sperm test
1: yeah, because there was semen found at the,
0: you know, site or whatever exactly so they obviously joshua do these behind closed doors and they they walk into a, a booth and what have you they obviously do that and they they kind of can do it in a dignified way right
1: yeah definitely they're all given like curtains and whatnot and like yeah you know they given like magazines no none of that happens he basically just ask them to whack off right in front of him <laughs> in, like the, in the main like foyer or whatever
0: uh, it is like if 40 men there at least, you know, <laughs> because there's like five rows of uh, of men there, you know, even a kid at the beginning, but they send him out because he wasn't there to obviously jerk off or anything. So the, the movie's got taste, people.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, even, like, when, like, well, there's this whole thing, like, back and forth. This is the point where we first see Sal as she's, like, carried to a room in the back or whatever. Just a moment. And then, uh, then we have the busty you know, second in command or whatever, she comes in for a moment and she's like, looks like she's about to take her shirt off, but somebody steps in front and he goes, okay, you've all assaulted a police officer now with your eyes. Now you you all have to whack off for me. You can't, otherwise we're going to throw you in jail.
0: I I, I love, by the way, the prior bit is it's it's basic humor, but it works for me. Like, look is uh, going to stand there i liked it too and uh, in an affordable way address these men but it got to be higher and kind of elevated so he starts to climb the chair and then slips and hits his balls on the uh on, on the backrest
1: i even had a note for that i was like you know even though it's goofy i, I still laughed at the notch it's a small accident
0: please you know climbing it's climbing up the stool humor Right here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the level of uh, comedic talent we're dealing with. So like he,
0: he never talks like, "Okay, man, Jack uh. off in front of me." They don't <laughs> keep that for ten minutes because this scene lasts for a long, long time.
1: And uh, he even like once they do start masturbating, he orchestrates it kind of like with his hands, is conducting.
0: Yeah. La, da, 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 da. He really seems into it too. And everybody's like you're hearing them hit the pots as well, like ding 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 ding. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I like the old man in the front who says like uh, when he realizes they are going to leave sperm, like boss, do you want me to make it full?
1: <laughs> He's got a giant pot too. Like.
0: But he wanted a giant present. He was there for presents, obviously gifts, <laughs> free gifts.
1: I guess they all expected soup. I mean, I don't Something, know. Like,
0: just bring a pot, man. You know, whatever. You go, know, Wacky Mainland, cuckoo. And uh, what is it there uh, before all of that? Uh, one great subtitle says, We have no woman, how can we make it? It's such a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I get what that means, obviously, but uh, it's such a sudden, Joshua. Oh, man.
1: We, we recorded this a week after the last one. It's such a sudden. Jeez.
0: <laughs> so um, there it is. I mean, it's it's a ma- the biggest masturbation scene in Hong Kong cinema, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> yeah, the sexiest, too. Definitely. <laughs> So uh, and and then reali- realism, obviously they all come like thirty 39- nine at the same moment too. Exactly, uh, except the main guy who, who uh, you know because he hasn't experienced he experienced this for a while, so either he has trouble coming. The old guy or wants to let it last, you know. Yeah, it seemed like he he was like, I haven't had this much fun in a long time. <laughs> Uh but then and go realism goes out the window because this is not but CSI mainland. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I know about sperm, Joshua. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't come in these pots and then seal them, alright? They leave them out in the open and they and then they are going to perform these tests and there's only one scientist doing this. Sperm sets off after a while, Joshua.
1: That's, I know that, yeah. <laughs>
0: So how, obviously I don't care about realism in movies, but the movie really doesn't care about it either, because apparently, despite having to test all of these forty men, let's say, apparently he's, he's going to be able to extract some kind of sample out of this hardened spell.
1: And then we get, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on in the next scene with the doctor, and he's got this gigantic tube of apparently semen like did he mix all of the semen together or did he like
0: some kind of chemical component that's supposed to be react with the semen or something like that
1: it's a lot (laughs) it's a a huge tube and uh, of course I mean do you want to explain what happens?
0: I mean you you can probably do it better I can just set you up that Liu Kai-Chi comes in to check on the progress and he's eating uh, what turns out to be a mango (laughs) and uh, you got the mango you got the tube and uh, you got a this cup so what
1: happens i mean what, i mean do you, is it even have to be said at this point you know what's going to happen yeah I, I was like watching it and i was like i don't know what the fuck he's eating but uh it looks like it's about to go inside that tube <laughs> and uh, sure enough as he's eating it like in this weird like opening it up and blah blah, blah he ends up dropping it dropping it into the tube and you know <laughs> at that point you'd say okay well this has all been spoiled Let's get rid of everything, blah, blah, blah. But instead, and the doctor didn't seem bothered by this, the friggin' cop, like, takes his hand, rolls his sleeve up, (laughs) and then just, like, dips his hand into the, uh, cum tube, and, like, pulls it out, and it looks like it's covered in semen, too. It's got, like, that consistency to it. And, uh, of course, the scene is, uh... You know, topped off by the waka waka moment of uh, busty uh, girl coming in, and she's like, "Oh, you're not gonna eat, Finish that mango. Let me eat it."
0: Num, num, and
1: num, uh, num, 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 num. yeah, she jumps on it and just loves the extra sauce on it. And the, the cop, you know, promises to make her some more later.
0: It, it's his special brew kind of thing, like his special juice. He says to him. and he, he's not bothered by that fact. He's kind of amused by the fact, like, ha, she's eating cum.
1: Jeez, and like, you know, look, I know AIDS probably wasn't a huge thing, maybe in this village or something, but God, you know, you're going to reach. He doesn't put gloves on or anything to reach inside that tube. He just dips his hand inside with all the semen and whatnot. Oh, my God. I know syphilis is huge around that town, man. I mean, God, I'm sure there's some kind of STI or you know, that you could friggin' contract from that. <laughs>
0: I love it. like, it's so unexpected that the whole mango. It's like this fucking, like, bed of mango. It's not uh, that, he, that he manages to slip all of that into the cum tube.
1: The tube is huge. <laughs> the tube is, like, way big to fit it, you know?
0: Because you, you, you would think, okay, it hits the tube and then falls over, or f- falls over. But no, it plops into it. It's, it's amazing. It's one of those, oh, but wonderful, you know, because they, they ride that scene like uh, like you read about. So the surroundings, the rural rural surroundings, they, they they come with a grit and that enhances these like isolated crimes, you know, this violent, uh, violent aura of the film. I think uh, that, that's certainly true for part one as well. And uh, we, we get a flashback structure and see the happy couple again at Cheng Lai and her husband is played by Red to Kill's Ben M, who is uh, not the movie's villain or anything. He's uh, more of a timid timid character, more human character here, rather than his uh, rapist in uh, Red to Kill. You know, he's still ripped, but uh, he doesn't, like, take his shirt off and, like, start flexing like a wrestler akin to Red to Kill here. uh, I mean, Ben is a good actor. That's the thing. Um, I've shown it before and subsequently. So uh, it's not like he's only got one thing to rely on, kind of what William Ho... Has You know, he has his villainous persona to rely on. He does as well. But Ben could uh, perform in, uh, in a very uh, various amount of roles. Often bad guys, though, but uh, occasionally got some good, dramatic material.
1: He had good looks, too. He could, you know, be the leading man if needed be, you know. Absolutely.
0: He a, he's an absolutely handsome man. And I always thought, like, shaved, he looked like uh, sort of a bigger Jet Li. You know, especially yeah. when when he's got his head uh, shaved, uh, so you don't see that at the beginning of Red to Kill. But later, when he shaves his head, like that kind of looks like Jet Li, only like ten times more psycho. And, and William Ho pops out of a out of a tent as uh, <laughs> Cheng, Cheng Yim Lai and Ben Um drive through that sort of makeshift tent that William Ho is having sex in. And I love his entrance; he pops out of the roof like what. And he's, shout, he's shouting from the get-go, that wonderful dubbing, uh, dubber, if it's him or not, I don't know, but you, you know that William Ho is not playing, um, uh, you know, a coward or a very timid character in this one either. And a different character, obviously, it's, it's all different characters. So.
1: Back to being an asshole.
0: <laughs> That's what he does. I mean, his, his impact, um, you don't really know his impact until later in the movie, I suppose, because, um. Uh, it doesn't appear for a while. And then from the last, like, third, maybe, or last, um, last 20, it really becomes, uh, you know, revenge time against William Ho. Uh, so, um, how do you think... I, I mean, we, we cut to, like, the romantic triangle with uh, Ben and Cheng Yim Lai. Their the car has broken down, and they're uh, given a roof over their uh, heads while they wait for the car to be repaired by Dick Lau's character of Kun. And uh, they eat and they uh, drink together, and... Um, Ben M and Cheng Yim Lai have a pretty steamy first sex scene and then the in a very good way. I think Ivan Lai shoots erotica very well for this movie, but then it shows that Ben M has uh, he's been uh, damaged uh, you know both physically and mentally in the Vietnam War, which uh, I know the conflict didn't lasted a bit into the seventies I think, but I'm not sure that would work necessarily just it doesn't look that old.
1: As I was watching the film, I was like, what year does this take place in?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Presumably, I, I presumed it. it is uh, not early 90s.
1: I started to think back. I was like, wait, what year is this? Because, like, you know, syphilis, I mean, you take a freaking penicillin shot, you know?
0: On the mainland, we don't have anything, we don't know anything. Coo-coo.
1: But, but I'm like, this isn't 1909, they're driving around in like modern vehicles. So I, you know, I don't know if this is like in the 80s or uh, you know, something like that, or maybe late
0: 70s. unless there's another Vietnam conflict that involved China to a degree that was way off. I don't know my history, though. So, he's been in the war and he's damaged, and uh, that has affected him in the bed uh, and uh, he, he's impotent at that point you know he, um, and my question is kind of how do you think the drama kind of fares here and do, do you think it's affecting the way it's kind of shot and performed um, when we find when we find that out
1: I think Ben and uh, the cast are all really good but uh, I don't think these characters draw the sympathy that the first film did I think that uh, it seems a lot more petty in some regards with this whole thing you know going on between the three of them and uh to be honest which I'm a little confused which I guess we'll talk about in a minute about like the uh, what is his name Ken Kuhn uh, yeah yep. yeah like that character and uh, what inevitably happens with him because his character during these flashbacks seems a bit different than the one later in the movie like in the flashback you know he's you know, not a ladies' man. He's, he's the kind of guy that's uh, looking for the, you know, love of his life and uh, thinks he's found it with the main character, Sal. And, uh, you know, they're trying to talk him into, like, oh, you should find a girl like this, like a girl like that. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm not trying to do that, blah, blah, blah. Because he kind of has feelings for uh, Sal. But when we're first introduced to the character in, like, modern time, which I assume is a few weeks at later, you know, kind of thing. He is banging a chick. He just found some chick that he's having sex with, and, like, the cops bust in. And it was all just an excuse to have more titties on screen, you know? Yeah,
0: I can agree with that. Um, uh, And, you know, connecting the drama that takes back in the flashback to what is, you know, the concluded drama in uh, in the present day. It isn't, um, I, I know what Ivan Lai is going for, that Sao and Kun achieved a connection there. Uh, but it isn't as uh, sort of completed and all the dots are not fully filled in because it isn't as uh, affecting. It's kind of done on screen. We see what Ivan Lai takes these characters, but it's not, uh, the, the triangle is a, sort of a half good, half strikes a false note and uh, I saw that quite early on in in Ben's big breakdown about you know uh, his wife knows he's impotent but he has another breakdown it gets really emotional and it looks you know the, the acting shops are there but it goes into a sort of a high-pitched melodrama drama territory that I think kind of starts to uh, the effect starts to kind of dwindle down, um, which is a shame because the kind of elements are there. She is very good and uh, and very intense emotionally. And as a character, she's very devoted. Obviously, she wants her husband, you know, big time and wants this, you know, will stand by him, obviously. Uh, and hopefully there will be a cure, as she said. So there, there's dedication there on paper, but kind of a false note, the parent here, as it develops, that doesn't make it affecting uh, when all is said and done. I mean, it's watchable and and even sexy, but uh, it's uh, it could have been better because I think the personnel was there to kind of make it uh, make it something, you know? Right,
1: I agree with that. I feel like it hits a high note for a little bit and then uh, slowly just kind of loses it. Really. You know, I don't find the sequences with like William Ho and his family and all that. That stuff doesn't really uh, intrigue me as much as uh, just kind of like the basic introductions of these characters.
0: I kind of I kind of start enjoying the movie on a basic exploitation level once William Ho's family is introduced and what they're doing. You know, that their their kind of evil streak. I, I do enjoy that on on their own kind of thing there because she uh, Chen Yim Lai, I always thought. Uh, Made this movie, you know, sol- solidify this movie's intensity. Um, she, she's a, you know, she she uh, she's probably a standout performer, I would say, in terms of acting, and we believe her emotions. Uh, so it she carries it for for me quite well, you know, everything from you know her sex scenes, which is she's, she's hugely into, uh, really like raw, like with raw primal nature to her, which I I believed. I actually thought that was uh, you know both uh, sexy but both like yeah that, that's emotion right there because it what happens is that they want a baby they need a baby because otherwise their family uh, they need to have a family line otherwise his um his family will kind of sell off his property and kind of disown him and what have you right. so it's a they're part of a society there where the demand is there for a family line otherwise you're you're gone you know you're out. Which I'm sure is true to some degree in um, in real life too. And uh, what it leads to is uh, that they ask Kun to have sex with Sao to, to impregnate her. And uh, while Ben is sitting with her, you know, holding her hand in the same scene, you know, it being quite awkward that way, but it's supposed God, to
1: be it like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's a good scene for on paper, because, but it does go a little bit over the top emotionally. But I I like the awkward nature of it because it's not like Kun is there to like uh, seduce her and get her into the mood, but anything. But he climbs into the bed and it's kind of awkward for everyone, and then starts having sex with her, and she enjoys it. You know, it gets to that level and. Uh, benham's character tries to participate in any way he can but it doesn't miss the mark but it doesn't become as affecting as it all seems i suppose uh, but I, I like it as a scene you don't see that many times you don't consider them. i like the concept of this kind of triangle you know mm-hmm. so so why not i mean it's it's something to stand uh, to to stand out and it's wisely it's tense afterwards when they have dinner afterwards and everything is kind of different now you know because how can you go back after that you know
1: like I, I like during that Like we get the scene uh, With Ben uh, drinking too much And then he has problems getting it up And I thought at first that's what I thought the problem was On the first night that they spend with Coon uh, But then uh, you know, I, I like the way the movie just kind of repeats itself With like uh, Almost like a fairy tale type of deal Like you know okay we're still at the same house I'm going to drink again you know And uh, then something magical is going to happen During the night I, I don't know But like you think it's going one way where they're just going to have, like, uh, an affair, but then you find that this whole sequence is like, you know, you, yeah, you have to impregnate my wife. I see you peeping on her, blah, blah, blah. I, I like the way all of that unfolds. And then we get into the kidnapping.
0: You know, just watching William Ho and all the exploitation that happens and all the violence that happens at the end, I think that that's an enjoyable part of the movie for me, actually, because, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm weak for... What William Ho can bring because he uh, mm-hmm. he he comes into the movie again and starts uh, snapping photos and as he did in the first movie and uh, engages in a blackmailing scheme, as, sort of similar to the first movie, uh, but he, his whole family is—they uh, don't have one girl that they abuse here. Like the whole family, the three of them, I believe. They're they're all they're all pricks. They're all evil pricks. This family.
1: First, the the mom tries to pretend that like. They end up taking, yeah, they take the pictures of Sal, and then they say, you know, okay, well, she's coming with us. You have to get $20,000 together, and, uh, it's gonna take, uh, Ben a, a little bit of time to get that together, so she's spending days with this family, and, uh, yeah, at first the mom is, like, pretending like she's on her side, kinda, you know, and then, uh, just for no good reason, she reveals that, you know, she's like, fuck you, and, or whatever, or like, uh,
0: how dare you? You know towards yeah. the kidnapper. So uh, I, I enjoy that because it, it's it's uh, it's it's exploitation kind of done well and uh, intensely. I mean, uh, much thanks to uh, leading actress uh, Chen Yimlai, again because I think she, got, she she's got great fury and fighting in her, uh, which is uh, kind of fantastic. Uh, there, there is some funny stuff here with uh, they they say initially because the son wants to get a. You know, she she he wants her, you know. And William Ho says, "No, we can't spoil her. You know, we we gotta keep her. You know, we we can't hurt her." So, but then after one minute of convincing, like, yeah, you're right, we should probably rape her. <laughs> you know? Jeez. If, uh, the subtitles doesn't go that, but it's actually what yeah, exactly uh, what it is. So uh, they go at her, and the uh, the funny bit within all of this is like William Ho is done off the 19 frosts. You see that in the subtitles, like 19 frosts, and then he collapses all over uh, Chen Yim-lai, which I, I always think is hilarious. After everyone ejaculates in these movies, they all collapse, like they, they've died, essentially. Uh-huh. So, but he, but he says, like, my record is 90 frosts. 90 That's not too bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how pathetic is that? Like, he's kept it 90, man. I'm, I'm in the elite, elite field. Or frosting. <laughs> that, that is dark and depressing, but what the movie does also, as the first movie did, it cuts back to Liu uh, Kai-Chi uh, listening to this story. And that is jarring, like you read about. Like, right. Because he's excited, like, when this story is about sex. Yeah. You yeah, had big old close-up on his face. Yeah, what next? And he, he's a kid in candy store, like, I'm listening to sex. This is awesome.
1: Because, <laughs> like, you know, which we didn't talk about, like, basically... Okay, in the first movie, there was actually some trickery by, like, Anthony Wong in order to get uh, confession out of uh, Lily Chung, you know? You know, going after the guy, and then she has to step forward and, you know, doesn't want him to go to prison, so she, you know, tells the full story, blah, 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 whole thing, you know, and it makes Anthony Wong's character look like he knows a little bit of what he's doing. In this film, uh... <laughs> This, uh, this police officer, uh, basically, he sees Sal at the hospital, right? And I guess follows her to the cemetery and just walks up to her and they start talking. And he's like, yeah, I want, I'd i like to ask you some questions down at the, at the police station. She's like, first, let me just confess everything to you here right now, you know, and tell you a story about some people who aren't me but are kind of like me, you know? And that, that's how our film, the second half of it, basically begins.
0: That's hardly any Is eyeing. If you no,
1: know. yeah, this 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 character is just a doofus, and uh, has as a police officer no redeeming qualities. I guess you know.
0: <laughs> and uh, at one point, you know, when the story is sad, we cut to him crying his eyes out. I believe, which is uh, it, such a jarring cut back to him. Uh, it works better in the first movie. The cut back to everyone uh, uh, a kid.
1: Yeah, because in the first movie it had Kid who was crying. Anthony Wong was still fervently, you know, following the law. You know, his character, his kid. The funny part in the first one was like during the trial and like the sequencing, like where they're sentencing this woman to uh, prison or uh, to be killed. You know, freaking Anthony Wong is asleep in the audience. <laughs> they, they cut to him and he's like knocked out and kids like waking him up i think yeah and this one yeah we we get almost like a combination of those characters i don't know why the the busty cop didn't show up out here to kind of
0: no, she was, uh, the last scene I think we saw her in was uh, when we saw her at the, after she's been examined by the doctor for, uh, yeah, yeah, examined and she's uh, ticklish and over-sexual and what have you, so you can see, you see her lying on the, um, on the gurney or, or whatever, or, or like, like she's been fucked for 10 days or whatever, like, right. wow, <laughs> and all, she, all, what, all that happens was that she was touched a little bit, so. <laughs> I like that character though Won't spoil it anymore I mean we we mentioned Coat hanger abortion There is a sequence here And that, that's a pretty Unforgiving sequence uh, So, so that, Ivan Lai doesn't let us out Easily out of that Because we get both Obviously there's no Like big special effects Build of a vagina Or anything Where we see it go in But uh, right. they do as much As they can And the reaction Of Cheng Yim Lai Versus You know The coat hanger Going up there Off screen and then the blood in the, bar, in the shower. it's um, I'll get anyone kind of uncomfortable, that scene.
1: I didn't quite understand. I mean, basically, and this is a slight spoiler, I guess, uh, basically, Sal ends up uh, framing uh, Kuhn for the murders, right? I mean, that's basically what happens. The condom full of semen at the end is from uh, Kuhn, and she brought that with her there, to place on one of the bodies, which ends up leading the police to him.
0: I can't believe I missed that. But uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, and that doesn't make any sense. Like, it, same reason it doesn't make any sense that Coon's having sex with another woman because the last time we see them two together, they uh, are making love. Like, she asks him, would you kill for me? And he's like, at first, he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And then finally he's like, I'll do whatever you ask. And that's that leads to you know, the final sequence with, like, revenge and stuff like that, where you, you're expecting it to be, well, this is spoilerish, I'm sorry, but, like, you expect it to be him, but it's not. And, yeah, the, uh, I didn't
0: understand that. Yeah, or... there's some, there's some choppy, choppy bits here and some dots not filled in, definitely. But on its own, I mean, this whole final violent sequence which, which kind of shows that she's uh, been uh, she's good at uh, setting traps and what have you which you either accept or you don't but uh, as still as seeing her fight and fury and her violent rage and what happens to that family of three is very un- enjoyable to watch for me and, and the cinematography especially in the rain and uh, the use of blue oh, light yeah. blue light for the Beautiful. scene is just with her fury too in the, in the thunderstorm and what have you great stuff Really great stuff, like the like uh, arresting imagery.
1: Definitely, both of them are very stylish movies. I find I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, but you're right They're good that you mentioned it. There are some like there's some spots here in the narrative that uh, it, it all is enjoyable for me. But it's I think it's when all is said and done, a the case of. I'm recognizing where weaknesses are, but I'm very weak for whenever it's exploitation and violence at the forefront, which makes me give it a good perk grade up. and, re- and uh, <laughs> yeah, I perk up like we were. Uh, I kind of give it a good grade and uh, return to it as well because of that. Because uh, I think Ivan Lai shoots uh, imagery that you. Uh, kind of, I don't know. Get, get addicted to in a way like it is very. The this has lingered in my mind since I first watched it many years ago, and it still works for me. rewatching watching it uh, this time around, but uh, for for all intents and purposes, I mean the first one is the superior movie by uh, by a fair a fair amount of uh, yeah. What was this needed? This movie. Uh, I mean the box office success was there, so I'm sure. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it wasn't planned this way. I mean the box office success probably meant like hey let's do it again. <laughs>
1: There's, there's always a, a reason for an exploitation movie. There's always a reason. It doesn't really even need a reason. Just, just It's exploitation. Just go for it. I mean, not that I'm saying that I enjoyed this one any more than I did at the beginning of this review. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, I can't blame them for doing it. I'm trying to make a buck.
0: It's mid, you know, category three movies being at their the kind of height in terms of quantity and certainly quality too even if not all movies were quality so it's it makes sense that it's uh, that it's out there at all you know and, uh, and it was produced no Daughter of darkness free for whatever reason maybe they, they just went on to other things I mean Ivan Lai was not very frequent uh, post this I believe he I've never seen a fake pretty woman which is this movie set at a hospital involving uh, uh, cosmetic surgery because it apparently features like real footage of uh, like yeah uh, cosmetic surgery and it's not something i particularly enjoy you'll probably enjoy it but uh, i i don't know if it's any good or not either i mean it's it's just a movie that i avoided i've seen a ancient chinese whorehouse but but i remember that was it's it a good title i remember that was like uh, fairly fun but nothing nothing as such the imp however his category three like a horror movie from 1996 with uh, diana pang dan and mark cheng pretty pretty solid like visually and uh, and absorbing that way it was the movie that Germany retitled to a trilogy of last Free, despite it having nothing to do with Julie Lee or any kind of sort of storyline in either of those movies they just found one movie renamed it and made a box set I don't know no no X no X God damn it. Nope. <laughs> uh, so there it is. I mean, uh, as for availability, looking at this uh, white side DVD that we have here, um, which is uh, letterboxing from a cinema print. It looks largely uncut. There's no obvious like visual or audio jumps on the soundtrack, so it looks uh, pretty complete. That DVD I couldn't find listed anymore, but their VCD is still listed, so you can probably obtain this for a, for a good price if you're interested. And I, I kind of assume that the VCD is also from the cinema print, but no remastered edition of this in anywhere. And uh, the, you, you shouldn't be too shocked if it never receives a DVD release again, because um, these movies came out you know, in quantity. So, and then some of them uh, faded into obscurity after VHS and Laserdisc and VCD and uh, a budget DVD, so.
1: Yeah, don't look for the DVD, look for the Blu-ray, which is coming soon, I'm sure.
0: With um, four commentary tracks uh, with everyone involved and a three-hour retrospective documentary, you know, which will will put uh, any, like, fucking David Fincher special edition to shame. Like, Criterion is picking it up, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I heard Criterion was definitely looking at this one.
0: The Criterion would do like one of these uh, stylish covers where all there is on the cover or maybe one of the few items coat on hanger. the cover, coat hanger. Art, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stylish Criterion, yeah. Or like a quote on the cover, like, my record is 90 frosts. Dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, a coat hanger? I don't get it. Well, it's Criterion, so 50 bucks. Here you go, Mr. Vendor.
1: What would a Criterion Cat Three movie look like? That would be
0: something. I always thought that they they should look into one or two of these uh, Category Three movies because there are some standout examples, and they they've done Hong Kong movies. They have a the killer and hardboiled super cop at one point. If it came to Hong Kong or Taiwan, it was after a while it seemed more art oriented. Obviously, a Wong Kar Wai, uh, Edward Yang movies and what have you. So. Which is personally something I don't enjoy in terms of criteria because, you know, if you can put fucking Armageddon on your label, then you can find a very good category-free movie and uh, showcase what Hong Kong also did because it's in an important uh, era, but criteria are not focusing on what they are and uh, you can't uh, you can't focus on all world cinema, I suppose.
1: It's, you know, sallow. Why, uh, why not Men Behind the
0: Sun? Sure, sure. I'd agree. I think the rights are tied up with someone else in America, but. Uh, yeah, but, but but you're very right. It's a good example. Uh, I think uh, it has a DVD, a good DVD already in uh, in America. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm thinking of Black Sun. Sorry. So I think Men Behind Your Sun is up for grabs. So listen, are oh, you listening Criterion? I know you are. Of course they are. Being a Japanese cinema fan has always been uh, a good thing, I suppose. Uh, because the Criterion has always cared for many genres in Japanese cinema. Not, not maybe my type of genres. Maybe because I like you and I like uh, exploitation and what have you. And uh, but, but, but you, Joshua, you've got your, you've got your labels uh, that care for you know the pink stuff and what have you. So you, 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 yeah. you have your uh, I'll take it from behind or whatever the movie was called. There, uh, <laughs> you, you had those kind of movies that lined up for you in Best Buy, Walmart. Still there, man? You know, come on. So, okay. uh, But uh, yeah, well, I'll take what I can get, and this is by no means unwatchable uh, this, uh, this way, Daughter of Darkness 2. And uh, certainly for one, we watched an old VHS, worked perfectly fine. Uh, all right, next time, director Otto Chan. He was a director flashing his creative drive working with the category free rating, in my view. He made screwball comedies and even docu- a documentary about fucking in Hong Kong that was hosted by James Wong. And uh, he was also, Otto, that is, making true-life crime movies. And we're going to have a double bill of two of his best movies in general that also highlights a great working relationship with two particular actors. So up for review next time is 1995's Diary of a Serial Killer. And from the same year, set and shot in San Francisco, we're going to look at his movie Gates of Hell. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You've seen Diary of a Serial Killer, and I believe you like that to an enough extent anyway. I
1: did. Quite a bit. It's a good one.
0: it so recently. It's like um, it's, uh, it's a it's gra- graphic nature is very appealing and it's even dramatic nature.
1: Right. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a really uh, it's an intense one. So that'll be fun.
0: Barely any comedy in it. Not to the extent of like where's the like where's the cops like hello. <laughs> <laughs> like la, la 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 i'm conducting this, the sperm donut la, la, la.
1: i was about to say yeah no scene of 40 dudes whacking off at once so
0: what a shame what a shame every movie <laughs> should so here we are if we take anything away from this podcast is that we've uh, seen a and talked of a scene where 40 dudes um, young and old uh jer- jerking off you know for science for science so there we are but okay we don't. this has been this recently on the Podcast on Fire Network check us out on podcastify.com along with all the other shows email us if you have any questions about uh, sperm drenched mangoes you can direct them to us or syphilis you can direct them to us at least one mm-hmm. of us uh, knows his shit I don't so uh, <laughs> fire at googlemail.com join us on Facebook facebook.com forward slash PUF Network And in the discussion group, that is merely the page, but uh, the discussion group is where you'll find most of the chat. Follow the link on the page or uh, search Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar. And follow our tweets and follow us, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing of uh, various uh, sleazy movies, Taiwanese movies and ninja movies at sogoodreviews.com and the video reviews at sleazykvideo.com and tweets at twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. And This Week in is available on iTunes. Uh, if you follow your podcasts that way, uh, you can uh, rate us with a little star rating and also leave a written comment. That would very much be appreciated. And if you don't like downloading podcasts, uh, you have Stitcher Radio available to you through their website, but also the application available to, among other things, your iPhone and iPad, I presume. And once you're in Stitcher, type in This Week in to find us and add us to your favorites. And uh, finally... Uh, shelf life clothing.com there's no t-shirt yet uh, on, you know the 40 dudes uh, you know jacking off t-shirts at shelf there should be
1: I hope he's gonna get on that
0: because he, he you know he knows style you know he's a good artist Brian so he can make that work like I got a suggestion Brian what like you know you know the scene in Dawn of darkness 2 where 40 dudes is jerking off Brian Brian, Brian? hello <laughs> So, uh, but um, there it is, ShelfLifeClothing.com, home of the Caucasians T-shirt. I think you can buy a hoodie as well, a uh, Caucasians hoodie. So, uh, there you go. Uh, so, your plugs, uh, you, you have a podcast and uh, uh, an archive of written material somewhere on the internet as well.
1: Yeah, very celluloid.net for all my written stuff. And then Trashy Trio, look us up, man. Listen,
0: join in. Dolomite, everything Dolomite. Dolom-
1: everything Dolomite.
0: I mean, there's plenty of movies in with him, right? So you can do a retrospective, right? Yeah, I don't think, do, uh, do I don't want think it's going to be happening. No. <laughs> don't want to. Come on, man, Charlotte Dolomite! Is that Tornado one, like, the best one, or you, you just picked, like, that for... I just
1: picked it because I'd seen the original Dolomite, but not uh, any of the, like, sequels. Except, like, I've seen other Rudy Ray Moore movies, but not uh, any more Dolomite. I was like, okay, this seems like a good time, let's do this
0: right (laughs) okay let's stop the domestic abuse let's stop the uh, hailing of Lily Chung's acting acting chops let's stop uh, marveling at Anthony Wong and let's stop analyzing the impactful meaning of coat hangers in movies Uh, and let's stop watching uh, 40 guys jacking off in movies (laughs) right now
1: (laughs) oh damn it
0: (laughs) let's uh, post it on the internet and uh, loop it for like 20 hours on YouTube (laughs) Oh
1: my god
0: You know how people put up these loops on YouTube Right
1: like, yeah 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 For four hours yeah. such and such For We're doing hours. it for
0: charity we're fighting cancer here <laughs> Like we're showing you guys Whacking off in movies Yeah so. yeah yeah testicular cancer you know We haven't done anything in particular we just cut together some crap Like we're fighting cancer Like the, all those let's play things for cancer Like <laughs> we, we got a recipe here people <laughs> Awesome games done quicks going on right now. Two hundred thirty thousand dollars already raised. Woo! Good, good on, good on those men. In all seriousness, so that's a good thing. Okay, we're done. Let's stop this. Uh, this that, 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 that was like a long. Let's stop fucking. Like let's stop the domestic abuse. Da, 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 da. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so we are done. Signing off. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye.